Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Well, this is our ninth week on that in the study of the book of James. It's five chapters, and it's really just a reminder, just a recap real quick. It's a, it's a letter that was written to Jewish believers that uh, James was recognizing that they were straying away from the power of God's word. They were getting distracted by the circumstances of life. And all of a sudden they started doing things that maybe were not godly or they stopped listening to God's word. And he says, hey, guess what? Get back to God's word, the central truth of God's word, because God's word is what will change your life. He was helping them to reestablish their faith in God. To find a rhythm, a rhythm is a regular beat. We need to find a regular beat, a rhythm with our faith in serving God. Because when we do things, guess what? Things will change, things will happen. I found in my own life, when I start producing godly actions, when I start obeying God's word in a powerful way, what happens, it brings stability into my life. As I walk with God, things don't bother me as much. When I'm not walking with God, everything bothers me. True, true statement. Part of finding my, our rhythm for our faith it is, is discovering the necessity of prayer. Without prayer, you have no communication with God. Prayer is essential in following God. James ends his letter with the power of prayer. And that's what we're going to discuss today. I want to read verses 13 through 18 of James chapter 5. So if you have your Bible or your device, turn it on and let's read that. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. If you're joining us online, I encourage you to also open up your Bibles and read along with us today. James writes, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has, power, has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as you and I, as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. That's powerful prayer. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Basically, James is sharing in this passage of Scripture, all day, every day, guess what? We should pray. I want you to end this sentence for me. If you're suffering hardships, you should pray. Come on, you're getting it. If you're happy, sing. If you're sick. If you've committed sins, you should ask for forgiveness and pray. This is what James is sharing with us. Basically, James is sharing all day, every day, take time to pray. The earnest prayer of a righteous person will have great results we are called to live a life of prayer. I believe this is a major weakness in our society today that we become so busy in life, we become so busy in relationship with others, we become so busy with all the different attractions or all the different things that we are able to do, recreation, that we push our time with God right out the window. And we have no time to spend with God. 
and we fail to spend time in prayer. Yet James is stating, if you want to find a new rhythm for your faith, pray. I heard a while back, years ago, push, pray is what push until something happens. No, push. Push through your prayers until something happens. That's what we should do in our life. Don't stop praying because prayer will change your life. People underestimate the power of prayer. James is calling us out in this passage of Scripture. says, don't underestimate what God can do through your prayer. And he basically gives us a roadmap of how we should pray. And in verse 13, he immediately challenges us, pray, guys. Man, if you have circumstances, if you have difficulties, pray. And this includes praying for yourself. You see, so many times in life we forget to pray for ourselves. We have circumstances, we have difficulties, and all of a sudden, we just all of a sudden allow those circumstances to overwhelm our life. But we forget to pray about our circumstances. We, what we have actually a tendency to do is we have a tendency to complain about our circumstances. We're really good at complaining, and we're not very good at praying. And what we really need to do is get better at praying, and we need to get less complaining. Because complaining never changes anything, but prayer, guess what, will change things in our lives. There's an old movie, I'm not going to show the clip, but there was an old, uh, there's a movie, one of my favorite ones, is called The Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. And, and all of a sudden she gets diagnosed with an incurable disease, which was a false diagnosis, but she doesn't know that. And she goes to, goes to uh, uh, church, and if you've ever seen that movie, she goes, why me, Lord? Why did I get diagnosed with this? Why me? I've seen the church, I do this my own life. Why me, God? We can complain. We even complain to God. Now, that's okay to a certain point, but if, we don't, if all we do is complain and we don't ask God to change our circumstances, guess what? Nothing's ever going to happen. Let's remember to pray. It's a simple message. Let's pray. Let's not just, let's not just accept the circumstances that, that life has given us. Let's ask God to change our circumstances. One of the greatest prayers in the Bible is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It's the prayer of Jabez. Jabez, it's an amazing prayer. It's a small prayer. It's a short prayer. And it's tucked in between historical records. In between nine, there's nine chapters in 1 Chronicles 4, or in 1 Chronicles, there's nine chapters. And it's really kind of a family tree. It talks about this father and this son and then what happens to this son and this father. And it goes down this family tree. And tucked in the middle of these nine chapters in 1 Chronicles 4, we find this honest, authentic prayer. And it's powerful. I want to read it to you today in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Jabez prayed this prayer. He said, there, It says, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. You know what Jabez means? It means pain. He was the one who prayed to God, to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. And one thing, I, I don't have my notes, but I just wanted to share with you today. Because I love how Jabez prayed this prayer. He prayed, oh Lord, bless me and expand my territories. And please be with me in all that I do. And one of the things that's a reminder for all of us as we pray, let's never forget to pray for God's presence to go with us. 
in all that we do. You see, many times we pray for the blessings of God, but we don't necessarily want the presence of God. And I want to encourage you today, you don't want the blessings of God unless you have the presence of God. Because you won't be able to handle the blessings of God without the presence of God. So those two, go, those two things go hand in hand in our life. And Jabez was praying for greater influence, for God's continual presence for God's protection upon his life. His name meant born in pain. He causes pain. Can you imagine living life knowing that your, your name means that it's causing pain, that you were born in pain? In the Old Testament, Hebrew names were important. They carried meaning. In fact, they carried meaning kind of, they designated what your future might look like. It was a description of your future. Jabez wanted a name change. Instead of being known for a name of pain, guess what? Jabez wanted to be known for blessing. Jabez prayed and God granted his prayer. Why? I believe because it was the boldness of Jabez's prayer. He was just bold enough to ask God, hey, he didn't stay in his circumstances. Man, this is all I got in life. This is, what I, this is the cards I've been dealt. This is what I have. I just, my mom even named me as, as painful. And I just got to be, you know, I just got to be, Okay with disappointments in life. That's what I'm thinking. No, guess what? He has a bold enough prayer to say, God, I want to be a blessing. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my, my territory. Lord God, give me your presence in all that I do. I think sometimes as Christians, we can put ourselves in a position of pain. And after we've been in a position there for so long, that we guess what happens in our life. We're afraid to ask God for even a blessing. Let me, let me try it out. Let's see. When was the last time you asked God to bless you? When was the last time you said, God, you know, my finances are okay. Man, it seems like I just scrape by every month. God, bless me. Bless, bless me financially. When was the last? Lord, you know what? I'm just not feeling good. My, my hip keeps aching day after day. God, Bless me. Touch my hip so I don't have that pain anymore. When was the last time you prayed for a blessing from God? See, sometimes I feel like we don't feel worthy. We've, we've lived in our pain for so long that it cripples us to the point where we no longer believe that God can do the miraculous in our life. All of a sudden we just, we just accept whatever, whatever is ordinary. Jabez pushed past his identity of pain and he asked for a blessing from God. He asked God to expand his territory. Give me favor in all that I do and keep me from pain and keep me from trouble. He was tired of living the life that he was living. He was tired of being identified with pain and he, was he wanted to be identified by the blessings of God. And today I ask you this question. How do you identify yourself? What words have been spoken over your life by maybe parents or by maybe children or by maybe friends that you have identified yourself in that way or even worse? What thought that you keep on thinking that identifies yourself day in, all day, every day? I'm a loser. I can never amount to anything. I struggle with this and I, I just can't get, I just and you just keep on that thought moving forward and forward. Sometimes you got to step out of that fear, out of that position that you've been placed in, and you got to step out in faith and say, you know what? Enough is enough. God bless me. I need to step out of that, and I need to step over to here where you can bless me indeed. Jabez had the faith to be, ask for God's blessing. Today I ask you again, 
How do you identify yourself? What has put fear into your life that restricts you from your future? In life, we've got to push past those fear and allow for God's blessing to come into our life. Let's be a church that is bold with prayers. Let's be a people of God that is not afraid to pray bold prayers. Come on. I got a couple of amens. Thanks for feedback. Come on, keep it coming. Let's be a church that's not afraid to pray for God's blessings, God's healings, God's forgiveness. James encourages us to pray about our hardships. And, and man, if things are going well, guess what? We're supposed to sing praises. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Basically what James is saying, stay in communication with God. Another thought that James introduces in verse 14 is not only should we pray for ourselves, but guess what? We should, pray for, we should invite others to pray for us as well, and we should pray for others as well. Specifically, he states, if you are sick, you are called to call the elders of the church to pray for you. One of the things in the scripture that's really, that's really interesting for me, it's really powerful because this is what takes place. I'm going to get really real here today. It doesn't say when people find out that you're sick, ask them to pray for you. It doesn't say that the pastor should be so discerning that he should know that you're sick. I've had, literally have had that before. You never called me. I didn't know you were sick. I'm just Pastor Tom. I'm not God. What does James says? If you are sick, call upon the elders of the church. Have them anoint you with oil. And guess what? The prayer of a righteous person will do, have great effect upon your life. And God can heal you. We need to ask for prayer. You see... There is times in our lives that I, that I feel like, think about this thought. Not asking for prayer reveals our lack of faith and trust in God. Why wouldn't we ask for prayer? If I told you today, I can guarantee, if you go out and buy a lottery ticket today, I guarantee that you will win. Guaranteed that you will win. And you knew that my words would be true. Every single one of you would be out there buying a lottery ticket. Not a single doubt in my mind. You would. Yes. If we would approach prayer in the same way where it is powerful and effective, and we would have no doubt that if I pray according to God's will, that my prayer would be answered, we would pray. If I was sick at home, not feeling well, I really knew that prayer worked. I'm going somewhere today, and I'm pushing on you guys, okay? That's, I'm pushing on myself. If I really knew that, God, that prayer would work, man, I would be calling. Hey, I need you to come over and pray with me because I'm not feeling good. Because I know that prayer, answer, prayer works. I'll give you a real-life illustration. Yesterday I was in Seattle, and we were in for a week there for Thanksgiving. We rented a little cabin. We were, we were pretty, besides the airplane, we were pretty socially distant. And we just had our kids with us up in a cabin. We had a blast over Thanksgiving. But there was a person, very close friend of ours, that was sick. And, and you know, I prayed that day before we left to go to travel back over the pass for safety. And I, we prayed that morning, you know, and had that. But then when I met the person who was sick, your pastor didn't even pray. 
being really authentic right now. Why not? If I truly believe that prayer changes saying, wouldn't that be the first thing I should go to? It should be. See, I'm convicting my own self. I don't, just conv- I don't throw this stuff out to you to put guilt on you. Guess what? When your pastor preaches, it comes right back at me as well. That's how it should happen in, your, in our lives. If I truly believe that prayer works, I'd be praying for that person. And I want to talk about how we can have greater faith in our life for prayer to work. See, prayer is a primary instrument that we can use to access the power of God in our lives. It's like plugging in a power tool. You can have a power tool, a power drill, power saw, whatever you want. But if you don't plug it into electricity, guess what? It's basically worthless to you. If you don't have a wall socket where there's a power outlet where you can plug that instrument that was designed, catch this, that instrument was designed to work with electricity. There is a motor in there that if you plug it in, guess what? It works with that electricity and can do wonderful things. You were created and designed, guess what, for the presence of God, for the communication of God in your life. But if you never take prayer and plug into heaven, guess what? You're leaving yourself short of what God wants to do in and through your life. Because you were designed for the presence of God. But we get so distracted by everything else in life, and that's what James is talking about it. We don't spend time in prayer. And prayer is the instrument that God has given us to access his power for our life. Leads me to another thought. In verse 15, James states that we are to offer our prayers in faith, meaning this, be confident in your prayers. It's difficult to access God's power without having faith. Man, you must believe. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, he says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive If you have, let's say it again, if you have faith. It's not that God can't do something without your faith, but that God naturally responds to people of faith. That's what it is. Faith is a belief in someone. It's having complete confidence or trust in someone that they can do what they say. You have confidence in their ability. God wants us to have faith in him. He wants us to have confidence in who he is. So how do we increase our faith in God? It happens through understanding of who God is. We need to understand who God is. There's a great story in the Bible, Matthew chapter 8. It's the story of the centurion. If you've never read that, the centurion had a servant that was deathly ill. He was literally laying in bed paralyzed. And the the centurion loved this servant. He went to Jesus to, to talk to him about his servant that was at his house that was so deathly ill. And Jesus responds to the centurion, who is a Roman officer of the day, says, I will go with you and I will heal your servant. The centurion made a very interesting reply. He said, oh, Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to step into my household, for you to be even underneath my roof. All you need to do is say the word, and guess what? My servant will be healed. She said, man, I haven't seen such faith. Where did this faith come from? You see, the centurion knew, guess what? The centurion knew God better than even some of the believers that were following Jesus. Why was that happening? Because the centurion was under the authority of a physical king. He knew that if that physical king gave an order, guess what? That order would be obeyed. It would happen. The king would never have to leave the palace to go check and see if that order was fulfilled. 
Because if that order wasn't fulfilled in the, in the physical king, guess what? That, per, that centurion would probably lose his life. There was no doubt. If the physical king said this word, it was going to happen. The centurion applied the same faith that he recognized in a physical king. He applied that same faith in Jesus. He said, if you're the king of kings, all you have to do is say the word and it's going to happen. What would happen if we had that kind of faith in our life to believe that God can do the impossible? See, the centurion understood the authority of God. He understood who truly God was, the king of kings. We need to have that similar confidence. We need to have a faith in whom we serve because we serve the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority, not some, not a little bit, not once in a while. He said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. See, our faith will continue to increase the more we understand who God is. And we develop our understanding through God, of God through his word and through prayer. As we read and hear about miracles of others, guess what? Builds our faith. As we hear about answered prayer in someone else's life, it builds our faith. When all of a sudden we pray and all of a sudden we have an answer, builds our faith. Builds our faith. We keep on greater, greater faith. Our faith will continue to increase. When we understand that God is loving, guess what? It builds our faith that God will be loving towards us. The more we step out in faith, the more that God will reveal himself to you. And the more our faith will naturally increase. One of the things that I've found in my life, I'll tell you this. I shared this in first service, I'll share it with you. Any time in my life when I've heard God speak to me, when I say God speak to me, what does that mean, Pastor Tom? When I felt impressed that God wanted me to do something. Any time when I felt that and I stepped out in faith, God answered. And it encouraged me. And then when I felt that God impressed it upon me again, he speaks to me. Pastor Tom, I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to go pray for him. I know that you don't. But I want you to go. And I step out in faith and do it. God answers. Tom, I want you to give some resources to the church. I want you to give some resources to that family because they're in need. And all of a sudden, but God, I don't have. Step out in faith. God answers. God provides. And my faith grows. My faith gets greater and greater. All of a sudden I see my faith. And all of a sudden these little things of life, they don't even distract me. I'm speaking truth here. They become less and less and less because I'm walking in faith. But as soon as of all of a sudden that I hear God speak to me, and instead of going and stepping out in faith, I cowered and I step back in fear. All of a sudden little things are even bothering me. I keep stepping back in fear because I don't believe that God can do what he says he could do. I don't believe that God is as miraculous. I hear preachers preach that. Well, you know, the miracles of the, of the New Testament, the miracles. Guess what? Those were for, those were for the, the apostles and those were for Jesus. That's not for today. I speak from my own experience in my own life. The more I step out in faith, the more I see God work in and through my life in a greater way than ever before. Third thing I want to share with you today is this. It's found in verse 16. I call it the integrity of prayer. James challenges us to confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. It's kind of an interesting verse. 
Why would I need to confess my sins to one another so I could find healing in my life? And I want to share a thought here. I want you to follow along with me. Stay in tune with me today. The Greek word that is translated confess means to admit or to agree. I want, to th- I want you to think about it this way. Confession is to come into agreement with God that sin is bad, that sin is evil. It's our confession to recognize that I have done wrong. I have done something wrong. Honesty with God, honesty to God and to others matters if we expect our our prayers to be answered. Of course, the confession that James is talking about has to do with repentance, which includes the action of turning away from sin. James has encouraged us to confess our sins. This doesn't mean that we go out and we blurt our sins to everybody that comes into the church, right? Or we're out at Starbucks. Can I tell you my sins? No, we don't do that. You don't need to do that. Don't freak people out. But it is about finding forgiveness from the freedom of bondage and of sin. How can our our prayers, how can your prayers or my prayers have honesty and integrity if we're purposely trying to hide our sin in our life? I'll say it again. How can our prayers ever have integris, be integrous or honest if we purposely try to hide sin in our life, which is the stupidest thing you ever can do because God already knows. Duh. Just confess your sins. One of the most damning actions in our life is unconfessed sins. It's choosing to hold on to something that God wants you to let go of. I will say it again. Unconfessed sin is this. It's choosing to hold on to something that God actually wants you to just let go of. And when you let go of that sin, you will find freedom like never before. And all of a sudden, your prayers will be full of integrity and honesty. And God hears your prayers. Listen to what David writes in Psalms 32, verses 3 and 5. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Finally, anybody been there? Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, sometimes you just need to speak to yourself. Sometimes you can get in such a rut that you just all of a sudden need to say, Tom, knock it off. Stop it. You know what? You need to start stepping out in faith. This is what David did. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. And my guilt is gone. Something liberating happens when we are willing to confess our sins. Our first thing is to confess our sins to God. Our second thing is if we sinned against someone else, guess what? If we really want to be honest and integrous Christians, then go and confess that sin that you've done to someone else. Confess that sin to them and say, I am so sorry I did this. Will you please forgive me? Let's say that together. Because some people struggle with those words. Will you forgive me? Let's say it again. Especially, turn to your spouse right now. Will you forgive me? Isn't it amazing how those three words are so difficult to say sometimes? But man, the Bible says when we're willing to do that, man, we find freedom in our life. The last thought I want to share with you today, in verses 17 and 18. James gives us an illustration regarding the power of prayer. Wouldn't it be great to know that when you prayed, there'd be power? That all of a sudden there would be an effective prayer where all of a sudden if you prayed for someone who was sick, they would get healed. All of a sudden you prayed for someone's finances, all of a sudden a job would come forth. It would be pretty, pretty miraculous. When someone asked us to pray for them, we could have confidence in God acting upon that prayer. 
As I shared before, some people think that the miracles that we read in the New Testament were only for the New Testament. It was only for Jesus and his apostles. They're not for today. But James, James is telling us that a righteous person has great power in prayer. He's not saying it was only for Jesus and the apostles. He says a righteous person can have great power in prayer. You know, the Old Testament is full of miracles. How can we believe that it was only for something of the past? I believe those who dismiss the power of prayer, catch this, I believe those who dismiss the power of prayer dismiss it on the basis of failure. My prayer didn't work, so it must not be true. They don't want to have to deal with the question of why their prayers were unanswered. They don't want to deal with that struggle. I say deal with the struggle. Deal with the struggle. Anything in your life, you know what, if you want to lose weight, deal with the pain. You're going to have to stop eating certain foods. Cut out the sugars. Cut out the bread. Come on, put more vegetables. Put some more. Cut out the stuff that's, you know what I mean? And get start, start exercising. How many love to exercise? You guys, whatever. I don't like to exercise, but I do because I know it's good for me. There's certain things in our life, guess what, we do because we know it's good for us. So many people, guess what? They don't want to deal with it. Why is my prayer not answered? I'll give you two reasons why your prayer is not answered. I believe. Maybe there's more. This is, this is what I found in my life. Let me put it that way. Two reasons why prayers are answered in my life. One is I haven't prayed according to God's will. My prayer is selfish. I don't see the greater picture. Number two, guess what? My life is not righteous. How could God answer a prayer if my life is not righteous, if, not, if I'm not going, if I have hidden sin in my life, if I'm not going after God, those are the two things I see in my life where, where there's times in my life where I pray and I go, man, God, why can't you answer that prayer? Sometimes it's just as simple as this. Paul discovered that. It just wasn't according to God's will. God had a different plan. But it doesn't mean that we stop praying. We keep praying. James in this passage of scripture he gives us an illustration and reminds us of the power of Elijah's prayers he shares with us how Elijah prayed and for three and a half years there was no rain and then when Elijah prayed again guess what the rain began to fall James is reminding us in that scripture that guess what Elijah was just as human as you and me he was, he was made up of skin and organs and he was humanity and it reminds me to, I felt to reminded me to share with you today that God uses broken people. People who are willing to be honest and forthright before God. I think about the story of Moses when all of a sudden Jesus, God's called Moses to go and deliver the people of Israel. And Moses says, me, Lord? Why me? Why me, Lord? Don't you know that I stutter? I'm not good in communication. I can't do that well. God actually got kind of frustrated with Moses. But God used Moses in a mighty way. When Jeremiah was called upon God, Jeremiah responded, I'm only a youth. I'm too young, Lord. Why me, Lord? Why would you choose me? God used Jeremiah in a mighty way. How many times have we made excuses before God? And let me remind you today that your humanity, and I want you to catch this, your humanity does not disqualify you from God using you in a mighty way. 
All the miracles that we see in the Bible from different people, they were humans touched by the presence of God. What disqualifies you is your pride and unconfessed sin before God. When we are willing to come before God humbly, Moses was a humble person. He says one of the most humble people on all the land. Most humble person before God. He was humble. God used that humbleness. When we come before God in a humbled way, God can do mighty things in and through our lives. When we come to God and we confess our sins, it clears the path for God to use us in a greater way. Our humility and our faults is what God is willing to embrace because it forces us to rely on His grace and His power. Elijah the prophet was a man of many miracles. He challenged the prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven. He spoke and the rain stopped. He spoke again and the rain started. Man, he was a mighty man of God. Yet Elijah was human. Elijah got tired. He got discouraged. He got scared. When Jezebel sent the armies out to go get Elijah, he was in fear. In fact, it talks about that he was so fearful that he was at the point of death. It seems like he was almost ready. The thought of suicide was in his plan. Just in my life right now, Lord. Yet God used Elijah in mighty ways. Today I want to remind you, you don't have to have a degree, you don't have to have a, you don't have to be a theologian, you don't have to have a title before your name for God to use you. God uses ordinary people. God wants to use you. Here's the question for you and for me today. Are you available? Are you available to step out in faith and put your trust in God? It seems appropriate to me as we end this series all day, every day in the book of James that in verses 19 and 20 of James chapter 5, it seems like he shifts gears, but I don't know that James really does, but it seems appropriate to me that he ends this chapter by encouraging us to help others who are wandering away from the truth. And it reminds me that I'm never going to be help, some, help someone else have faith in Jesus Christ if I'm not in the right relationship with God myself. How could I ever be effective with others if I don't have an effective prayer life with God myself? I need that prayer life in my life. I need to have a healthy relationship with God. You see, you might have a friend, you might have a family member, you might have a father or, or mother, you might have a child that's away from God. God wants to use you in a mighty way. Do you believe that He can? Do you have the faith to believe that? Yeah, God will use me to impact the lives of others. Today I urge you, don't give up. That's what James is telling us in this passage of Scripture. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't get scared. Instead, what? Pray. Instead, respond in such a way where you pray. Because when you pray, guess what? God has the ability to do wonderful things in your life. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the book of James. Your words, Lord. How, Lord, he ends this whole, whole thing about following after you, Lord God, about having greater faith. He ends it on one simple thing, and that is our communication with you. I pray over us today, Lord God, that we will be people of prayer. That, Lord God, we won't just look at our circumstances. We won't just gossip about our circumstances. We won't cower in fear about the things that are happening in our lives. But, Lord God, we will step out in faith to believe, Lord God, that you can answer our prayers and that those things will be changed. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace.
We thank you, Lord God, that there is power, Lord God, the power in you that we can access through prayer. We thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives this week, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.